0: Welcome to Metal Injections, the Squared Circle Pit. Today's special guest, from Penfield, Shane McIntyre. And now, here is your host, Rob Hustonian. It's the first Squared Circle Pit of 2017, and I'm so glad you're still with us here. It's Rob, at Rob Injection on Twitter, and we have an awesome guest today. All the way from Canada, not that far away from me, I'm in New York, we have Shane Mathewson of Ken Mode. Shane is a longtime wrestling fan. We get into it about the Monday Night Wars, since he's from Canada, we talk about the Hart Foundation and, and Canadian wrestlers in general, and interestingly, we talk about how he just cannot keep up with all the wrestling out there nowadays and uses Reddit to mostly keep up with it. And I'm curious, is that how you keep up with wrestling? How do you do it? How do you follow? Do you watch Raw? Do you watch SmackDown? Do you watch everything? Do you watch just pay-per-views? Shoot me a tweet at Squared Circle Pit. No E in circle. Or go to Facebook.com slash Squared Circle Pit. On the other side of this interview, I'll be talking about my match of the month, possibly match of the year, as well as the WWE UK tournament. But right now, let's get to Shane on the Squared Circle Pit. Now entering the Squared Circle Pit, all the way from Canada, we have Jesse Mathison of Kenmo. Jesse, thank you so much for taking some time.
1: Thanks for having me. Not just Canada, but Winnipeg, Canada. Oh. Winnipeg, Win- you idiot. <laughs> Winnipeg, you idiot. I, oh, so you're from Winnipeg. I understand. That's a, a, a very
0: famed wrestling area. <laughs>
1: yeah surprisingly
0: I want to quickly mention the Ken mode has a new ep called nerve out now you can grab it on bandcamp and that's the last I'm going to talk about your band cool
1: <laughs> so good because I hate I hate that stuff
0: <laughs> so being from Winnipeg you know a lot of famous wrestlers most notably of course Chris Jericho although now uh, and kid, I guess,
1: yeah right now kenny omega, kenny omega is one omega, of the dudes yeah. everyone's talking about
0: i was going to say like so let's talk about how long have you been a wrestling fan
1: oh god probably since i was like four or five mm-hmm. and i i i have fond memories of uh just even thinking back my brother and i pulling toques over our faces and pretending to be demolition and beating the crap out of our My Pet Monsters.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. I feel Demolition is a good cross-section of metal and wrestling as well. It was like our first introduction as wrestling fans to leather and spikes and all the metal tropes that
1: we hold so dear. And even just that theme music, man. Oh,
0: the riffs, right? Yeah, those riffs were, yeah. were very, very good. So then, So you've been watching it your whole life, basically. Basically. Then like, I guess
1: there's, there was there was pockets on and off where I stopped following. Probably, uh, I know it's probably similar to a lot of people. were during that that phase when the whole steroid scandal, uh, I guess that was what like late '80s, early '90s, when things kind of fizzled a bit. Yeah, and I def I definitely stopped following around then too. And then when it got super cool when I was in high school with the whole Attitude Era. I think that, as with most wrestling fans, it's kind of, that was, like, the really hot period, and then I kind of phased out a bit after that.
0: That's, yeah, that's funny that you say that, because I feel like during the Attitude Era, like, I watch it all, like, the steroid thing, and it scared me off. But I found that it, like, it wasn't, it was kind of looked down upon. It wasn't cool to watch wrestling when when we were, like, growing up. And then, like, the Attitude Era came, And all of a sudden, everyone in school is talking about the NWO, talking about DX. And it was like suddenly the cool thing again. And that was really exciting.
1: It's always strange when it kind of gets cool. Because, I don't know, inherently it's never been cool. Even now, uh, where there's almost like this slight weird hip factor to being like in the know about it yet at the same time the people that are the most in the know are the supremely nerdy dudes and chicks like it's just it's i don't know a lot of that stuff is very strange right now just culturally speaking how like some supremely nerdy stuff can almost be like this niche nerd hipster shtick yeah i don't get it i don't get it
0: uh, it's a yeah like you know I mentioned on the show I feel like part of the fun of being a wrestling fan is following the behind the scenes gossip and drama uh, but also that could lead to like, like I also find it kind of hard sometimes to talk to wrestling fans that do follow that stuff or that do just read online rumors because it's like well just because it's a rumor you know like <laughs> it doesn't mean it's going to happen you know or no,
1: yeah, it's just weird <laughs> Yeah, where it's well, it's kind of like me. Like I, I, I don't really have time to follow the actual shows. Yeah, I've actually been talking about this with a couple of friends of mine who are huge wrestling fans who try to keep up with all the content. I, just, I don't have the time to keep up with the content. So with the the newer stuff, I end up being this poser Reddit follower who, like, I I enjoy following the behind the scenes stuff, but I just I don't have the time to follow the on screen stuff. Because I'm also a huge MMA fan too, so and kickboxing. Like, there's just there's too much content throughout everything to follow it all, mm-hmm. and I actually still have a life and make money and. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, and that whole thing, <laughs> the rest,
0: you know, existence.
1: <laughs> yeah, eat, uh, eat food, exercise, that sort of thing.
0: Uh, well, so like, so you don't really follow. Like, how do you follow it right now? Do you just watch the pay per views or not? Eat, like the big pay per views. What do you do?
1: I watch the odd one it's actually honestly been a while since i've seen even a pay-per-view mm-hmm. i'm i'm more of a highlight reel guy which i know it's kind of shameful but that's that's what i am able to cobble together right now <laughs> quick highlight reel stuff kind of recaps of raw every once in a while right. i feel kind of bad about it
0: so you you shouldn't feel guilty about how you consume entertainment
1: <laughs> but uh <laughs> But the fact that like I, I don't know. I, I I do enjoy a lot of the stuff mm-hmm. and I I even like talking about it, but I just I, I can't keep up.
0: Right. Well it's a especially now there's like, you know, at least six hours of original wrestling every week. Uh you know, not including pay per view, sometimes nine or ten hours and it's just how 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 do you, how do you keep up with it? It, it is kind of hard. I, I've honestly, uh, for me, it's the opposite. I I have been keeping up with it. <laughs> I watch Raw and SmackDown every week, and like I'll watch NXT and, and, and Two Hundred Five Live. And I find my I find it impossible now to watch anything else. Like my all of my time is consumed uh, watching all of my leisure time. I should say, like whenever I'm like, all right, yeah, I, should, yeah. I should watch something. Uh, it's usually wrestling to the point where sometimes I'm like, all right, I cannot watch any wrestling this weekend because it's all I've been doing
1: all-, all week. You're sounding like my friend Randy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, he's, I, he's
1: actually the one who does all the artwork for our band too.
0: Oh, right on. That's cool. Uh, so like what, what, what period would you say was the most you were into wrestling where you were like super diehard about it and, and you, you needed to keep up with it week to week?
1: probably the attitude era right around when I was in high school and I actually it was kind of a weird social period where everyone was watching it and it just, it's, there wasn't an overwhelming amount of content and I think that made it the easiest to kind of follow yeah it was just one I'd say night basically. probably <laughs> yeah although I I'd, I'd argue I didn't actually enjoy it as much as I did when I was like a young child but still I was way more diehard then and, and the, the the competition between the two promotions, I think, for everyone, just fueled the whole desire to watch, because you, you always wanted to see how they'd best the other one week yeah. by week. I, I feel like and, this, is uh, something,
0: this is something that like younger kids or, or people who didn't watch during that era don't understand. Just channel flipping was so exciting. Because yeah. this was also before DVRs, so you really yeah. had to commit... Both shows were on at the same time. If, if the NWO is coming out and about to attack someone, you're locked on Nitro. You're not gonna be changing back to Raw for at least five minutes. But then sometimes it's like both shows kind of had something really crazy going on, like at the top of the hour or something. And you're just like, what, who do I commit to? And it was such an exhilarating way to watch.
1: And all you can hope is that, like, one of the channels kind of fucks up their, their timing and you can, like, lock into where, like, there's a long commercial break and you can somehow manage to actually watch both. And depending on where you live, it, it could be a little more plausible. But, ugh, yeah, I, I usually kind of erred more on the, the WWF side just because that's that was what I watched. It was mm-hmm. always a lot harder to, uh, to see any of the... Uh, NWA stuff when we were kids yeah. and I know at least where I live in Canada that the programming was easier to catch WWF stuff so I kind of ended up having more of an allegiance to them so even during the Attitude Era I I think I was more drawn to them than WCW. I agree
0: uh, for the same reasons basically I only I didn't have cable growing up so I would only get like WCW to only run a one-hour show worldwide and it would air, mm-hmm. I remember, like Saturday nights right after SNL or something like that, like at one in the morning. So usually I'd end up taping it or, or not watching it. And that was my only exposure to WCW, whereas WWE had the weekend programming, like Superstars and, and all that. And, and even when WCW was good for a minute, like when the NWA was just starting and WWE was still trying to figure stuff out, you know, I was like, oh, WCW is really, really good now. But as soon as, wwe figured it out with like steve austin versus the heart foundation like that whole feud like i was all about
1: that mm-hmm. yeah I, I even just recalling back to the way i watched wcw like even in its heyday i enjoyed more of the new stars yes. like I, I always remember finding like chris benoit and chris jericho and dean malenko those types of characters more intriguing than like the headliners all yeah. the old dudes And even then, like, when they did Goldberg, I I liked him more than I was into, like, Hulk Hogan and Scott Steiner and all that shite.
0: Well, what's interesting, too, is that, like, Hulk Hogan is the one that kind of brought WCW to the, you know, to the party, uh, that made them number one. But even now, like, watching back some of those pay-per-views from that era, all the good action is in the first two or three matches, like you said, like, with the Cruiserweights, with Jericho, Benoit... Milenko, Eddie Guerrero, Perry Saturn, like Raven, like all of those guys, all those good matches were the first two or three matches. And then the main event would always be off, like unreal bad wrestling, like just awful, awful wrestling. And and so, yeah, it was, you would definitely, with WCW, you would root for the up and comers. But I feel with WWE, that's where, like, the really good story was, like the engaging male soap opera,
1: you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. They they changed the game in, in regards to that. It is entertaining that WCW, on the one hand, was ahead of the mainstream curve with bringing in all those smaller guys and actually yeah. allowing them a little bit of creative uh, license, yet at the same time they just completely buried them and, and largely drove their shows on these stagnant, aging wrestlers yeah. and and. Yeah let them kind of just run wild with what they were doing, and which inevitably obviously kind of destroyed them.
0: It was a gift and a curse because by not really focusing too much on those smaller guys, it allowed the smaller guys to kind of put together their own matches and, and really innovate and show something cool. Uh, but then when it ta- came time to like push those guys or like bring them to the next level, like with Chris Jericho, for example, when he was yeah, doing that whole bailed. thing with, with Goldberg, they were like, "No, we're, you're not gonna, you're not gonna go anywhere near Goldberg." And he's like, "Well, why am I doing this? Why am I coming up with this whole
1: angle and entertaining people?" They're like, "Sorry, bye." Yeah. <laughs> How did that? I don't, I don't, hundred percent remember the the timeline of all of it. Did a lot of those guys bail slightly before WCW folded?
0: Yes. So Jericho was the first one to bail, basically, essentially, uh, just because they would that Goldberg angle was kind of like, well, this is it. I'm not going to get anywhere. And I think in his book, he wrote how what he was trying to do was he was trying to get a pay raise because he realized that a person's push is equivalent to how much they're being paid. So, like, if this person is being paid so much, we have to use them enough to warrant their salary. So they didn't want to Mm -hmm. give him that raise. They also didn't want to... Goldberg didn't want to do the match with him. And so he was like, well, there's nothing for me here. I'm going to try my luck at WWE. He took a pay cut to go to WWE and then, you know, killed it there. Became a huge, bigger star than he'd ever been. And then after that, I believe what happened was there was a lot of issues with the Bookers in WCW. A lot of backstage drama. And uh, after Vince Russo got fired and there was like little commotion as to who would be running the show they put Kevin Sullivan back in charge and mm-hmm. Kevin Sullivan and Chris Benoit obviously had problems because Chris Benoit's wife was Kevin Sullivan's ex-wife and they didn't like each other <laughs>
1: and,
0: and like so Chris Benoit and a few of his friends Dean Malenko Perry Saturn and at the time uh Shane Douglas and Conan and Eddie Guerrero as well were like hey we're all gonna leave if you don't uh if you don't fire if you don't Get Kevin Sullivan out of here. they were like, no, we're putting Kevin Sullivan in, and so eventually, somehow, WWE was like, we don't want Shane Douglas or Conan, <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> so just the four of those guys left, and Shane Douglas and Conan were left left hanging, which was shitty for them, but uh, that's how they got. Stay
1: Levy, yeah, I and was, then while well, shy of Dean Malenko, I guess well, and arguably, I guess Perry Saturn, both of those guys kind of got. Nothing at a WWE, but oh well. Hey,
0: uh, Jim Alanco's still working there, so he's gotten a paycheck at least.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, just not a, not a lot of on screen, but right. Whatever. Uh, it's it's was really cool to see that the other guys ended up becoming huge stars. Yeah. Uh, until which,
0: until Chris Benoit, you know, murdered his family and all that.
1: <laughs> yeah, and then it's kind of a that whole. Thing is a weird, fucked up scenario, and it's it's too bad the way he's been essentially completely buried too.
0: Uh, <clears throat> honestly, that was the period when I stopped watching. When I fell out, like how you were saying with the steroids. The steroids didn't affect me. The the reaction to that, and then learning about all the bullshit inside WWE. You know, because my my whole thing is like, look. First of all, he absolutely killed. Like, there's no way to to get around the fact that he murdered his wife and child right yeah now like i'm not absolving him of blame for that but i do feel that a big reason for it is because he was like beefed up on steroids jacked up on steroids and had all those concussions like, yeah you know,
1: I, I honestly i don't think it really had much to do with the steroids at all um i think based on a lot of the science that's been coming out the concussions was the, the number one thing yeah and it's been funny how the WWE tried to completely absolve themselves of the entire scenario with that. Yet at the same time, has been taking quite a bit more preventative measures to get rid of that sort of stuff. Like the the fact that chair shots are not a thing anymore. Yeah. To the yeah. head, at least. But yeah. Like they, they 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 knew that that was a problem, yet they refused to uh, acknowledge that that had anything to do with it. Meanwhile, like, when they did studies of his brain, he looked like an 80-year-old Alzheimer's right. patient with severe dementia. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, how does like, that go no diagnosis? Way... Yeah. It's interesting, the, the PR that steroids have got basically since the 80s, that people seem to think that it turns men into monsters. But realistically, like, the types of people that end up abusing steroids are aggressive fucking freaks regardless right and the steroids aren't making them crazy
0: also, it's just yeah, adding
1: I'll, testosterone to people who are already completely unbalanced yeah
0: you're and by 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 taking it it further imbalances your testosterone levels and and what really annoys me about people like about the misconception about steroids is that it's just like oh you just have to take steroids and immediately you're you know your Arnold Schwarzenegger, which it's like, yeah. no, it's not, that's not how it works. Like it'll help you. You still have to put in a lot of work to get that. But bo- um, like, it's not, it's yeah. It, it's a, a ridiculous
1: supplement. amount of work. Yeah. All steroids does is allows you to put in more work. Uh,
0: yeah, exactly. Uh, but I do think though, that they're taking, like, they're taking the right course of action. You can't uh, like, I don't think he deserves to be like, he was a great wrestler. Not taking anything away. yeah like he was an amazing performer but that kind of thing ruined, like tarnished his legacy completely and how could they in any good conscience like really acknowledge him at all it would be really bad. Yeah.
1: they i I feel like maybe at some point when it's at least enough of a public knowledge of the the risks surrounding concussions and even people understanding a little bit more what steroids actually do, which who knows if that'll ever end up happening, but I feel like they could, this sounds bad, but I feel like they could capitalize on his story because it is a very sad one, and, and it makes for good entertainment because it's a sad story.
0: I feel like, I think there is going to, there, like there's a movie being made, about him. is it
1: through through them or no, through no. someone else they don't want anything to
0: do with it <laughs> and i think like it would be really bad pr for them to be involved with such a, like they want they don't need his pr you know they have plenty of other stories that they could like that yeah true enough like he almost ruined their gig like because there was a, a federal investigation that started and it would have happened too but i forgot like there was some like I don't like terrorist thing or some big event happened that pulled away the guy on the board for like investigating WWE into this other like more serious matter having to do with you know war and and after that that's it like the whole investigation fell apart But they could Hmm. have been on the hook for that thing, and and it would have been really bad for them as a business. And the whole reason they have their wellness policy now and the drugs and all that is because of Benoit. So at least in some odd way, some good did come out of it. At least some wrestlers now, like Brock Lesnar, we learned with this UFC thing, is not getting tested. (laughs) Some wrestlers are are staying off the juice. (laughs) Brock Lesnar, not so much. Uh but Which, w- uh
1: now now that now the UFC's getting sued because of that.
0: Yeah, I think that's great. Uh, uh so for those of you who don't follow UFC, Brock Lesnar came back. He had a big fight against this guy, Mark Hunt, this past summer. He won the fight by a decision. Uh and then it came out that he he uh failed the drug test for this uh testosterone booster or estrogen booster. I forget what it was, but it was something. It was a, 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 a supplement that people take when they're trying to cycle off steroids to increase estrogen production in their body since they're f- loaded with testosterone. And so you I got think to... it,
1: may, uh, yeah, it may have been a blocker, an estrogen blocker, because okay. something about when you come off of steroids, your body does an overproduction of the estrogen, I think, as right, a reaction right. to it. Right. So this masks that. But anyway, yeah, he, so, he tested positive. So for anyway that, he and, he, made, uh, he made four million a, his opponent, Mark Hunt,
0: <laughs> Yeah, he made four million dollars on the fight too, Brock Lesnar, and then he tested positive for it and then go on. What are you gonna say?
1: Yeah, Mark Mark Hunt, his opponent, was uh, not stoked, particularly <laughs> because his, his previous two or three opponents that both of which I, I think it was two opponents, his previous two opponents from Brock Lesnar, both of which he knocked out but both of them tested positive for steroids. So he had three in a row where the guys got popped right after it. And with the Lesnar thing, because they gave him him an exemption from being tested through a United States uh, Anti-Doping Agency, um, he he basically was claiming that the UFC knew that he was taking steroids and was covering it up, and he wants compensation for it, because he has a, a loss on his record because of being held down by Brock Lesnar for 3 rounds and he feels that Lesnar shouldn't have been getting all that money. Give it to him cuz the guy cheated to beat him.
0: Yeah, he wants at least half of Lesnar's purse.
1: Uh, yeah.
0: So that should be interesting. But let's 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 go back to wrestling. I want to ask you, we were talking about the Attitude Era. As someone from Canada, what was it like seeing the Heart Foundation form and seeing like Bret Hart like be this Heal because he was so pro-Canada how did it feel in Canada
1: it was actually funny because it was completely flipped in Canada and and the narrative you could see it whenever they came to Canada right because they were the they were the faces in Canada yeah even though like at that time like both sides were for all intents and purposes shitty like everyone was kind of playing the anti-hero role and it all depends on who the crowd would side with Mm -hmm. and in Canada they were very much faces which was really funny to see
0: and so were you were you a Hart foundation guy were you a Steve Austin guy who were you rooting for
1: oh clearly I was rooting for Canada come
0: on (laughs) so you were a Bret Hart was Bret Hart you got like did you have a guy growing up like who was your favorite wrestler
1: um, during that era I definitely was rooting for Bret Hart. Um mm-hmm. when I was younger it was always more macho man, uh Demolition, Ultimate Warrior, kind of that they're obviously like the the classics that everyone liked. Right, right. Uh yeah, I was
0: definitely a Steve Austin guy. I was always a Shawn Michaels guy, so I, I didn't like Bret Hart <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because he was That's... the anti Shawn Michaels. But I loved the Hart Foundation just as a Yeah. Uh, faction and my one of my favorite all-time uh, matches was the Canadian Stampede that they had in Calgary, where it was like the five-on-five, five, uh, where it was the Hart Foundation versus Steve Austin, Goldust, Legion of Doom, and Ken Shamrock, and they like, down. and this was in Calgary, so like the entire Hart family was there, and Bret Hart was treated like the superhero, like super huge response, and it was, I remember it was the first front to back great WWF pay-per-view in a really long time and I feel like that was really the turning point for them story-wise I feel that angle was the turning point for them story-wise where they really started building to catch up to WCW
1: Hmm. when did uh oh god I can't remember specifically when the ratings shifted and I know they've documented this in some of the documentaries on the Monday yeah. Night Wars
0: uh, well, the first the first time Raw was able to beat uh, Nitro was uh, it was shortly after WrestleMania 14, where Austin won the world title from Shawn Michaels, and then he started yeah. that whole angle with Mr. McMahon, and then there was a show where Mr. McMahon challenged Steve Austin to a wrestling match. I believe it was like so WrestleMania was at the end of March; it was like mid-April, two or three weeks after. And McMahon challenged Austin to a match, and that was the fi- that was finally when Raw beat Nitro. They didn't beat him again for a few more weeks, but it was at that point it started getting competitive.
1: Hmm. I yeah. I always remembered that, that WrestleMania was like a turning point for the wars, and specifically, it was the whole Austin winning the title and the the whole Mike Tyson shtick that paid off. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it was great. Uh, do you read uh, Dave Meltzer? Do you read the Observer at all?
1: Sometimes, usually, again, like I'm a a Reddit follower of his statement.
0: I see, I see. Well, uh, yeah, so it's like when Mike Tyson was uh, negotiating with WWE, he went to WCW right before he signed the deal or right after the Royal Rumble, after they already announced him and said, I don't have a deal with WWF. If you want to give me $3 million, I'll come to WCW. And they were like, oh, you're not worth that. Fuck you. And what a mistake that was! Because that was essentially the turn. Like that got more press than anything WCW was doing, and that was the the turning point for them.
1: Yeah, and just how they used him with Austin was just perfect. Perfect.
0: perfect. <laughs> WWE know how to use celebrities. I feel like way more than WCW. They know how to get the maximum press out of
1: it. Come on, man, Dennis Rodman. That was that was prime shit. <laughs> or, uh, I mean, what's what's that? fucking um Carl Malone
0: his match against Carl Malone at Bash of the Beach with PVP.
1: There was just Jay so Leno. many horror, horror, <laughs> yeah Jay, the Jay Leno or uh, I, I always blank on that dude's name uh Courtney Cox's brother Oh David
0: arquette No that her oh, Wait ex-husband. it's
1: not brother her she married <laughs> him Yeah her ex-husband yeah. <laughs> David Arcat Yeah when title. he won, like that was the that was the worst the, the worst thing
0: that was the down... That was, like, the shittiest... Even watching it now, I can't believe how terrible... Like, how terrible it was and how they let Vince Russo get away with <laughs> all the terrible things he was booking then. Uh,
1: yeah, like, e- even, like... It It really did lower the bar so much that, like, you you'd, I uh. Even the dumbest, most childish wrestling fan—like, how would even that person enjoy that? Uh, it's ha- like it was a troll. It's like it was a troll job on <laughs> the entire industry.
0: His argument was that it was it was just to get press for the movie, the, the Ready to Rumble WCW movie, and also them. And like, oh, the next day it was on the front page of the USA Today. You can't pay for that
1: kind of press. And it's like, yeah, but uh, what did that get what, you? <laughs> like, yeah, at, w- at what cost? It killed their entire promotion.
0: He killed that entire promotion, long before that angle.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. Bad. That's true.
0: So you mentioned Kenny Omega. So I'm, I'm taking. Do you keep up with New Japan, or is this again just whatever's on Reddit? You're looking at the highlights.
1: <laughs> I've just been following the highlights. I know. I've, I've been seeing uh, the the stuff basically since he kind of rose to the top of new japan Mm -hmm. and i know he still does the odd show in winnipeg with uh prairie championship wrestling um i don't think he's done a show in a while but i i've been to one of the p uh pcw's and I just I I can't I I can't do it live. <laughs> well,
0: hold on. With that. What is pra- why prairie? Do you have like a prairie in Winnipeg? What's this?
1: Well, like we're we're part of the Great Plains, uh, uh-huh. right in the middle of North America. I see. so uh, yeah, we're we're kind of one of the first cities in at least in Canada. where literally like an hour away from us is where the uh, Canadian Shield meets the prairies, and we're kind of. Yeah, in the heart of the prairies for North America, so that's I guess where they originally came up with the the Prairie Championship Wrestling. <laughs> Sounds very tough. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, very apt. So what uh, was the So what was I, the vibe? I,
0: what what kind of like it's a small gym, I'm guessing, right? Like two two hundred people. Yeah,
1: right? it's in a weird hotel slash like small casino thing, and that where the like ceilings are too low for people to even properly jump off the top rope. Yeah. Uh, very like Island of Misfits toys feeling, at least to me, which I feel bad saying, but it was just it, it, very strong. Like I don't belong here.
0: <laughs> in what sense? Like just the
1: the crowd was a little weird. Yeah, it the, the crowd was a little too. I listened to Insane Clown Posse in high school kind of thing, and that's mm. just not my scene. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, hey, and St. Cloud Posse, you have quite the
1: history with pro wrestling. That is true. And that's where they really started to lose me on some of that shit.
0: <laughs> that's when the Attitude Era went south for you, when, when the Juggalos. Yeah.
1: I, I, I don't pretend to be cool, but I'm cooler than that. <laughs> uh, so
0: who are some guys now that, like, when you do watch, you're like, oh, they're, they're pretty awesome.
1: What you um, like what I do watch now. I I I really enjoy New Day. I think they're funny as hell. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, what else? What else is going on right now? I I'm I'm in it for the humor of everything. The angle with uh, Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho. I I I find them very entertaining. Plus, yeah. Canadian boys got a got a cheer for the Canadian boys. <laughs> Canada's um, having
0: quite a moment now. I feel with with pro wrestlers, a lot of big Canadian wrestlers out there.
1: Yeah, it's it's very interesting, and it has been very interesting watching the kind of shift in just how much the online community affects things. Yeah, and specifically, uh, it kind of ties into the whole steroid and post Chris Benoit thing, where uh, the less It seems like the fans clearly don't give a shit what people's bodies look like. And it's been interesting watching the actual booking in WWE reflect that. Them seemingly finally getting that, like, no, they don't have to be six foot five and completely jacked out. Like, because those guys can't move. What people want to see is people who are smooth on the mic and can actually move around. That's that's what why people are watching this stuff now.
0: Yeah, I feel like the work rate in WWE is the best it's ever been. There never have been better matches in WWE. If you go back to those Attitude Era pay-per-views, some of those matches are so bad, like uh, uh, Billy Gunn versus Henry Godwin or whatever. Like who wants to like what? these guys are not wrestlers. Even like when they no. have like even when they had good angles, like Val Venis versus for big boss man. Who cares? Like. It was it was very weird because the work rate was so bad in the attitude era that you really did need the storylines to mask how terrible the wrestling was. There was no yeah, it's, really it's good the, wrestling the
1: classic game. the classic bodybuilder versus a fat guy. like <laughs> ooh, great. Uh, although I will say now, I, nowadays, if you're gonna be nowadays, sorry. if you're gonna be a fat guy, you have to either be able to take like inhumane punishment or, there are fat guys who can do like triple flips off the top right?
0: right right yeah every fat guy now can do a flip it's pretty it's pretty impressive but I do miss the the, the heavyweight I do kind of miss like the super heavyweights like the the Japan style like Dr. Death Steve Williams type heavyweights you know like the real big bosses mm-hmm. or like the Steiner brothers which I guess like American Alpha are really bringing back that style and I'm really enjoying it I feel like they're, it's almost like a shift too far into the cruiserweight Kind of body frame, where we, it'd be cool to have a nice mix of everything,
1: you know. Yeah, it'll probably it probably should balance out over time. Like, yeah. I guess it it all depends on on what the the mean cares about, and and if people care about it enough, the the talent will rise to the top.
0: Hmm. Now I want to ask you before we wrap up: Are there any other? metal musicians that you talk about wrestling with that you text back and forth dumb memes about?
1: <laughs> um, it's actually been a while. I've been kind of reclusive lately. I got I to get back in with some of my American friends since we haven't really been touring for the past nearing year and a half. Mm-hmm. I've been losing touch with them, but uh, I, I routinely chat about this sort of stuff with uh, my buddy Stavros from the Atlas Moth. Um, who else did I nerd out about wrestling with? The most notable ones, I, I usually end up nerding out about mixed martial arts with musicians, which is not the subject of this show.
0: It is not. It is pro wrestling. But, but we, uh, we, have a, we have a fond respect for the mixed martial arts, and I appreciate mm-hmm. the uh, the arts, you know, bleeding into wrestling style. I, I like the, the jujitsu hold, some submissions, especially New Japan. I, I honestly...
1: The more that stuff blends, the more I enjoy it. Like a, a lot of mixed martial arts purists like to shit on when any guys in there start talking like pro wrestlers, but I I find that stuff so fun, and that, that's one of the, uh, the the guys that have a genuine respect for pro wrestling. I, I really get behind guys like Chael Sonnen and, and the Wolf particularly Josh Barnett. I I heard he just like for a brief second won the TNA title.
0: Yeah, it, well, that's how great TNA is. So they brought him in to do like a UFC versus Bellator thing cuz Lashley is in Bellator. And okay. I, I guess he beat Lashley, but it was through some sort of like shady means so the decision got reversed right away, which that's is That's so awesome. <laughs> which is a very TNA way to <laughs> to do that angle. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's so weird but- when, when MMA guys bash wrestling because MMA grew out of wrestling in Japan. Like it literally, yeah. it literally birthed it out of out of Japanese pro
1: wrestling, which is totally awesome. <laughs> yeah, I agree.
0: I agree. It was pretty great that like you know they were having these aggressive wrestling matches in Japan, and then they were like, "Hey, why don't we just?" Do this for real, like, instead of staging yeah. it. Right? <laughs> Let's people see people And, the, and the fact
1: that someone like Kazushi Sakuraba was actually successful in legit MMA for so long,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that, that in itself is just so special.
0: That guy Sakuraba, he still kind of wrestles every once in a while for New Japan. He looks old as fuck now, but he still <laughs> is super intimidating.
1: That's so awesome. Yeah, he, he should look old as fuck because in fighter years he's probably like 87 the stuff they put that guy through is just horrendous
0: well i think there's no better way to wrap things up than that
1: <laughs> A yeah <little> Sakuraba plug <laughs> <laughs> uh, for,
0: Jeff- for
1: anyone listening that doesn't know Sakuraba, go look up some of his pride matches sweet jesus
0: Alright, awesome. Jesse, thank you so much for taking some time to hang out here on the Squared Circle Pit. The new EP Nerve is available on Ken Mode's Bandcamp. Kenmode.bandcamp.com And uh, are you going to be uh, uh, doing a busy year, doing some touring? Or not so much?
1: Probably probably no touring this year. Our main focus is to come up with a new record, so ah, that's cool. uh, something I'm trying to get in, in the gears of, of actually legitimately working on it It, it, last year we kind of took most of the year off from doing anything music related shy of uh starting kind of an accounting based project where we're literally doing accounting and tax and grant writing for bands but uh now it's it's time to start writing some new stuff and i want to do something furious to just show how much we hate everybody (laughs) i love it
0: well if, if a band needs some accounting how do they get in touch with you for
1: that they, uh, they can hit us up at mkmmanagementservices.com. There you or look it. up uh, Ken Mode Accounting and something should probably show up. <laughs> there you
0: go. Awesome, Jesse, thanks so much, man. Hell yeah, thanks a lot for having me, man. Always a fun time talking pro wrestling. You know, before I did the interview, it was kind of early in the morning. I was not in the best of moods, but as soon as we were done, the rest of the day was just great because it's just so fun to talk about pro wrestling. And that's why I want to thank you, the listener, for giving me the motivation to keep going with this one. Who do you want to hear on Squared Circle Pit? What metal or rock musician do you know that you think would be a fun convo with me? Tweet me at Squared Circle Pit, no E in circle, or facebook.com slash Squared Circle Pit, or if you're not on social media, you can just email me, rob at metalinjection.net. A match of the week, month, possibly year, is Kenny Omega versus Kasuchika Okada from Wrestle Kingdom 11, New Japan's pro wrestling event, the Wrestlemania of New Japan, essentially. The whole event, especially the last four matches, were just unbelievable. It was such a breath of fresh air to get a large, you know, a high-scale production that wasn't WWE just Pro wrestling presented as much of a sport as possible. And I'm not I'm not trying to knock WWE, I enjoy what they do as well, but this was just pure sport and just unbelievable action. The Okada versus Kenny Omega match was like 40 minutes and it was just perfect. It was so good. I highly recommend, if you've never watched New Japan before, this is your way in. This is where you start. It's a great match. There's English commentary. I embedded the video on the post, on the Squared Circle Pit post, so you can watch it there. Really, really, really good. And Kenny Omega is someone that everyone's going to be talking about this year, I feel. You know, there's been rumors that he might be coming to WWE because of some tweets that he sent. I do not think he's coming to WWE. I think he's staying with New Japan. He has such a great spot. He's on the cusp of, of winning their world title. And... It's going to be huge, and he's just going to come back in a few months and kill it. My prediction is Okada's going to drop the belt to Miro Suzuki, and then Omega is going to beat Suzuki, and then they're going to have a big rematch with Okada and Omega, and Omega will have to try to beat Okada. That That's how I think it's going to be booked, but what do I know? I'm not uh, Gato or Jado or any of the bookers of New Japan. Uh, also, I would say if you don't have enough wrestling in your life and you didn't watch the WWE UK Championship Tournament this weekend, at least with night two, you missed a phenomenal, phenomenal night of wrestling. Night one was okay. I will say if you have, you know, so much time watching, if you only have a limited amount of time, you only really need to watch night two. That's when they really narrowed down the field to the best eight wrestlers and the matches they all had were spectacular. They were very, very good. Especially the final match, I was very impressed with both Tyler Bates and Pete Dune or Pete Dunn. Pete Dunn, Pete Dunn did a great job of being a super annoying heel. Who I I thought he was going to go all the way until the match started, and then I'm like, you know, the crowd is really behind this Tyler Bates guy. It would be a much more fun ending if he won, and clearly they agreed, <laughs> and it was a, a really fun. Event And what I liked about it was just, again, just pure wrestling, not, not too much on the sports entertainment side. Michael Cole was great on commentary with Nigel McGuinness right by his side. It was a good event. I, I, I definitely recommend checking it out. And I'm curious to see where WWE goes from here with the the UK stuff. And I know they're going to be doing a women's tournament in a few months and they might be doing other tournaments, I believe, in Asia and possibly Latin America. It's going to be an interesting time for the WWE Network this year. We're also hearing, we, I'm hearing from (laughs) The Observer, that WWE is going to start streaming other wrestling promotions on demand on the network. So far, the only one really confirmed is a uh, UK brand called ICW, Insane Championship Wrestling, that I've been hearing a lot of buzz about. I haven't really followed them outside of just a, a Reddit post here and there, but it'll be interesting to see what happens. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens on the next edition of the Squared Circle Pit. And I hope you'll be able to tune in.